pouring off our hands and faces, after which we read from Darwin's diary, in which the naturalist described a similar excursion as a long walk. Death permeates these islands. Animal carcasses are scattered everywhere. The vegetation is coarse and scrappy. Dried and shriveled cactus trunks dot the bleak landscape. The lava terrain is so broken with razor-sharp edges that progress across it is glacially slow. Many people have died there, from stranded sailors of centuries past to wanderlust-driven tourists in recent years. Within days I had a deep sense of isolation and fragility. Without the protective blanket of civilization, none of us are far from death. With precious little water and even less edible foliage, organisms eke out a precarious living, their adaptations to this harsh environment selected over millions of years. A lifelong observer of and participant in the evolution-creation controversy, I was struck by how clear it is in these islands. Creation, by intelligent design, is absurd. So how, then, did Darwin depart the Galapagos a creationist? This is the question that Frank Soloway went there to answer. Soloway has spent a lifetime reconstructing how Darwin pieced together the theory of evolution. The iconic myth is that Darwin became an evolutionist in the Galapagos, discovering natural selection as he itemized finch beaks and tortoise carapaces, as he observed how each species had uniquely adapted to the available food and island ecology. The legend endures, Selloway notes, because it fits elegantly into a Joseph Campbell-like tripartite myth of the hero, who, one, leaves home on a great adventure, two, endures immeasurable hardship in the quest for noble truths, and three, returns to deliver a deep message, in Darwin's case, evolution. The myth is ubiquitous, appearing in everything from biology textbooks to travel brochures, the latter of which inveigle potential customers to see what Darwin saw. The Darwin Galapagos legend is emblematic of a broader myth that science proceeds by select eureka discoveries followed by sudden revolutionary revelations as old theories fall before new facts. Well, not quite. <laughs> theories power perceptions. Nine months after departing the Galapagos, Darwin made the following entry in his ornithological catalog about his mockingbird collection. When I see these islands inside of each other, and possessed of but a scanty stock of animals, tenanted by these birds, but slightly differing in structure and filling the same place in nature, I must suspect that they are only varieties. Darwin was seeing similar varieties of fixed kinds, not an evolution of separate species. Darwin did not even bother to record the island locations of the few finches he collected, and in some cases mislabeled. And these now famous birds were never specifically mentioned in The Origin of Species. Darwin was still a creationist. Through careful analysis of Darwin's notes and journals, Soloway dates Darwin's acceptance of evolution to the second week of March, 1837, after a meeting Darwin had with the eminent ornithologist John Gould, who had been studying Darwin's Galapagos bird specimens. With access to museum ornithological collections from areas of South America that Darwin had not visited, Gould corrected a number of taxonomic errors Darwin had made, such as labeling two finch species a wren and an icterus, and pointed out to him that although the land birds in the Galapagos were endemic to the islands, they were notably South American in character. Darwin left the meeting with Gould, Selloway concludes, convinced beyond a doubt that transmutation must be responsible for the presence of similar but distinct species on the different islands of the Galapagos group. 
In Darwin's mind, the allegedly immutable species barrier had been shattered. That July, 1837, Darwin began his first notebook on transmutation of species. By 1844, he was confident enough to write in a letter to his botanist friend and colleague, Joseph Hooker, I was so struck with distribution of Galapagos organisms, etc., etc., and with the character of American fossil mammifers, etc., etc., that I determined to collect blindly every sort of fact which could bear any way on what are species. Five years at sea and nine years at home pouring through heaps of books led Darwin to admit that, for him, at last, gleams of light have come, and I am almost convinced, quite contrary to opinion I started with, that species are not it is like confessing a murder, immutable, like confessing a murder, dramatic words for something as seemingly innocuous as a technical problem in biology, the immutability of species. But it doesn't take a rocket.